that this will be my last spring breakaway as the youth pastor here at Belmont Assembly of God. For those of you who do not know, on Sunday or Saturday, uh, the church voted me in, uh, me and my wife, as the new lead pastors of Belmont. So we are very, very proud of that. So what does that mean? That means... I'm still your pastor, okay? That just means you get to have me on Sundays instead of Thursdays, and I'm hoping more of you get plugged in on Sundays, but that doesn't change. So I'm still your pastor. I'm not going anywhere. You guys still have that relationship with me. You have access to me. Don't feel like all of a sudden you can't talk to me. Um, I'm still going to be your pastor. The difference is uh, we already have things lined up, but I will be bringing in a new youth pastor for the first time in 13 years, and we are excited about what God's going to be doing that, and if you want to find out who that is, uh, register for Breakaway, maybe we'll tell you then, and so until then, we're going to keep that between us. Also on Saturday, say Saturday. Uh, we did a Speed the Light Market. Uh, Valerie, where are you at? Valerie, why don't you stand up for us? Stand up, Valerie. Give it up for Valerie. There you go. Valerie, along with a number of our leaders, took the charge on putting together the Speed the Light Market, and there was a number of students that did a great job of just uh, putting stuff out there, making sure that we were providing. As a matter of fact, we ran out of stuff for the most part because of how many people came through, and we were able to raise over $3,000 in 40 minutes for missions. So come on, God. Come on, God. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you guys. And again, for me, that's the beginning of this year. Um, it would be such an honor and great joy to see you guys pass 20,000 this year. And I believe you can do it. And so now it's just a start. Uh, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish, right? So I want to make sure you guys get on board with that. Now, tonight, I want to talk to you about uh, something interesting. Before I do, let me ask you this question. How many of y'all have ever shared a room with somebody? Like you slept in the same room with somebody else. All right. Y'all ever notice how weird people are when they sleep? Anybody ever just slept next to somebody weird? My sister growing up, she slept with her like eyelids open, but the eyeballs rolled back, so it was all white, and her leg crossed. And so she always had her leg crossed, her eyes open, she'd be like this. And I'm like, oh my God, are you alive or dead? Like it was kind of a creepy thing. And then you get people who like talk, you know, you ever had somebody talk in their sleep? You ever had a conversation with somebody who talked in their sleep, it's trippy, right? You'd be like, hey, what happened? Oh, no, like, dinosaurs. What? what the di- di- shut up. The dinosaurs are going to get us. What dinosaur? Di- I'm not even joking. Why are you acting like this is a joke? There are dinosaurs. It's like, okay, true story. That was a friend of mine. That, that, that happened. Uh, even now, like, our daughter is sleeping in our room with us for right now, and um, there's times in the middle of the night where Josie, she'll be like, puppy, puppy, no, come back. And I'm like, oh, God, no more trips for me. Okay, I'm sorry, Josie. Uh, but she'll say things like that. She'll be like, yes, okay, thank you. I'm like, oh, my God, who are you talking to, right? And so sometimes you get some people in the middle of the night, they be doing some stuff that you're like, concerned you know you're like starting to worry like man you better not kill me tonight or you better not do anything and so I was thinking about all that uh, and I was just thinking about the idea of sleeping and, and how much you can do while you're sleeping and the Bible talks about this periodically but not physical sleep it talks about being asleep spiritually there's a portion in the Old Testament that's reiterated in the New Testament where it says awake O sleeper I want to talk to you about being spiritually slept 
and the problems that can come from that. And I want to look at a character in the Bible by the name of Samson. For those of you who maybe don't know the story of Samson, Samson is, was a judge. And so before they ever had a king, the nation of Israel, they would have these judges. And what the judges would do is they would give direction and authority. If there was a dispute that needed to get figured out, it would be the judges that would handle it. And so Israel had judges that were basically governing authorities. They were leaders within the people group to help direct stuff. One of the most famous judges is a guy named Samson. Now, Samson, he had this whole Nazarene vow, which, which was like this special anointing that he had where uh, he wouldn't cut his hair, he wouldn't touch dead things. Like There was all these rules that he had to do in order to prove that he was being separated from everybody else and that he was being holy. And the Bible tells that God gave Samson supernatural strength. He was the strongest man to ever live. But if you follow the life of Samson, even though he's set apart, even though he's given the authority of leader, even though he's given strength beyond his physical ability and anybody else's, Samson never really took his spiritual life seriously. He was spiritually slept. All he cared about was women and having a good time. And, and there's a couple of different instances where that messed with him. On one occasion, uh, he hooked up with a, a woman who wasn't part of the Israelites. And God had a very strict rule about that. And even though he was a leader and even though he was anointed and even though he was given strength, he's like, yeah, but she looks good. And so he tried to hook up with her anyways. And that went really bad. And all this drama kept following Samson. And you would think after these dramas that he'd wake up, right? You ever like seen somebody that you're like, you know what, at this point, you just kind of, you deserve that because you keep doing the same stupid thing over and over again, right? You ever have like that one friend that always comes to you for relationship advice and you're like, I don't even want to talk to you anymore because you don't listen. Like you keep going with these idiots or you keep doing these things and you're like, I don't know why they treat me like that. It's like, well, you're the common denominator. Like you're the one that keeps putting yourself in this situation, and this is Samson. Samson keeps getting these wake-up calls, but then he keeps falling asleep. And see, a lot of us, that happens, right? We go through situations in life where God wakes you up, where God gets your attention. The problem, though, with a wake-up call is if you don't get up after you wake up, it's very easy to fall back asleep. And that's Samson's issue. Samson would get a wake-up call, like what happened with that fiancé of his, but then he'd go right back to sleep. Now, the Bible tells us that there was a, a secret to his strength, that if he cut his hair, which is part of his Nazarene vow, he would lose his strength. And Samson knew this, but he would toy with it. And he ended up hooking up with this girl that he didn't realize was a spy, or maybe he didn't even care was a spy. And her name was Delilah, and she kept trying to convince him to tell her, tell her his secret. And so she'd be like, you know, if you love me, tell me your secret. He'd be like, oh, well, you know, if you tie me with this kind of rope, then I'll lose all my strength. And then all of a sudden he takes a nap. He wakes up. He's got this rope tied around him. And then he breaks the rope. He laughs about it. He beats up all the guys that try to capture him. And this happened a couple of times. Now, again, I'm no genius here. But like if this, if I keep telling this girl, if you do this, I'll lose everything. And then she does it. Now, how many know he's just playing with her? And he's just toying with this gift that he has. He's toying with this authority that he's been given. He's toying with this leadership gifting that he's been given. And I say all that to say, are we really that different? When God is giving you authority, when God is giving you anointing, and for those of you who don't know, an anointing is just a unique, special empowering to do something that God has called you to do. 
God has anointed you. God has called you. God has given you positions of leadership and authority. And some of us are like, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not a, listen, you're a believer, right? That makes you an authority and a leader to anyone who's not a believer. You're an example. You're someone who has an opportunity to lead, even in this room. So you've been given leadership. You've been given authority. You've been given anointing. You've been given a calling and a purpose in Christ because we all have a calling and a purpose in Christ. Some of us, it's specific. All of us, it's to preach the gospel, to be good representatives of Jesus. So we all have this same thing in common. But I wonder how many of us were toying with that. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, we mess around with sin. You know, we play with it. We don't, we don't take it too soon. Well, I'm not going to go all the way there, but you know, like, okay, I'm not going to sleep with that person, but I'm going to do everything else because, you know, I just want to, I just want to see how close to the line I can get before crossing it. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's only this kind of drug. It's not like I'm doing all the drugs. And so you know, I just, you know, I just want to have a little, oh, well, it's only a little bit of drinking. Like, it's not like I'm drinking every day. It's just when we're at the party. And well, you know, I'm just kind of disrespectful to, to my mom. We got to understand she kind of deserves it. And, and so we come up with all these ways where we toy with this responsibility, gifting and authority that God has given us. And the problem is you're lulling yourself into a false sense of security. You're falling asleep thinking everything's good. And in reality, everything is not. And this is what ends up happening to Samson. Samson keeps toying. He keeps playing games. He keeps playing games. And listen, you play with fire enough, you're going to get burned. And listen to what happens in Judges chapter 16, verse 20 through 21. Samson finally ends up telling Delilah his secret about his hair. And then it says, then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. The Philistines were the longstanding enemies of God in this situation. When he woke up, listen to this, he thought, somebody say he thought. He thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Leave that scripture up there real quick. I just want you to see some. Go to the verse before. Verse 20, yeah. Listen to what this says, right? The Philistines came to capture you. When he woke up, he thought he wasn't right. I'll do as I did before. And this is what happens. We get caught in a situation. Oh, I'll just ask God to forgive me like last time. Or, oh, I'll just go to church and feel better like last time. And, oh, yeah, I'll just keep trying to do what I try to do. I'll do what I've always done. And then what it says, I'll shake myself free. Samson thought it was his strength that always got him free. He thought, well, I got this. I thought I had it. I thought I was in control. I thought I could take care of business. I thought I could figure a way out. I thought I could navigate this situation. I thought, I thought, I thought, and guess what? You thought wrong. And one day you'll wake up and you'll realize, man, I was wrong. So there's a few things I think we need to learn from this. Because Samson had fallen asleep spiritually long before he had woken up physically. And if you're taking notes, here's some things you might want to write down. Number one, he was spiritually asleep even after he was physically awakened. He was spiritually asleep even after he was physically awakened. You ever notice something? You don't realize you're asleep until you're awakened, right? You don't realize you're asleep until you're awakened. 
when you're asleep. Y'all ever had like them real legit dreams or you're like, you're like boxing them in your dream and you know, in real life, you're just like sitting there in bed like doing this. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, oh, I'll kill you. Like you're having these moments. You don't realize you're asleep until you're awakened. You don't realize you're not actually falling down a cliff until you wake up on the side of the bed. Like, oh crap, I almost fell, right? You don't realize you're asleep until you're awakened. And that's important for us to understand because Samson did not realize the Lord had left him because he was spiritually asleep. Can you realize how asleep you gotta be? You don't even realize that God's not with you anymore. That God has already disappeared, but you were so asleep you didn't notice it. There are some times in my life where I get up early before my wife or before my kids and they wake up and I'm not there. Why? Because they were asleep. I leave the house. I can get away and they'll never notice it. Some of you are walking around thinking you got a strong relationship with God. And what you don't realize is you have no relationship with God anymore. And it's not necessarily that God leaves you. It's that you end up leaving God. How long do you think you can toy with the Lord before the Lord says, you know what? You're on your own then. How long can you practice independence before God gives it to you? Oh, you want to do it on your own? You want to be your own person? You want to figure this out? You don't want to listen to me? Go ahead. Do it yourself. And then we're like, well, God, why am I in this situation? And God's looking at you going, yeah, why are you in this situation? Listen, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Charles Spurgeon once said this, the sleepiness in the Christian is exceedingly dangerous because he can do great deal while he is asleep that will make him look as if he were quite awake. Why? Because we can speak when we're asleep. We can hear when we're asleep. We can walk when we're asleep. We can sing when we're asleep. We can think while we're asleep. When I was a, a, a kid, and maybe like three, four, five years old, uh, I was an actual sleepwalker where I would get up. But y'all, I didn't just walk. My parents used to tell me that I would get up, I'd walk around the house, and I would do math. So I just walk around the house, two plus two is four, four plus four is eight, eight plus eight, 16, 17. And I would sit in front of the television, and I'd just rock back and forth. One plus one is two, two plus two is four, four plus four is eight. Like as if the TV were on. Like some straight poacher guys, freaky kind of stuff, right? And it got to a point where my mom would sleep me on the couch and she would sleep on the floor in front of the couch so that when I got up to sleepwalk, I would step on her and that would wake her up so that she could follow me to make sure I didn't open the door and leave the house. Why? Because you can do a lot of things when you're still asleep. Right? Hey, you can praise God and you're still asleep. You can go to breakaway, you're still asleep. You can respond to an altar call, still asleep. Oh, you could be sitting down here listening to me, dead asleep. Listen, I don't know about y'all, those of you who drive, you might be knowing what I'm talking about. Those of you who've been driving, you know exactly what I mean. Y'all know how many times I got to places not realizing I was driving? Right? It's like, oh my God, there's literal, there have been times I took myself home with people in the car. I forgot I was supposed to drop you off. My bad. Like you just go on autopilot. You just kind of go. Right? Think about it like this. For those of you who don't drive, you ever just walk up, go to the other room and forgot why you went to the room? 
You're like, I don't know why I'm here, but I came here for something. (laughs) My point is, it's very easy for you to go through the motions in life. Just go through it and still be asleep, not be effective, not be anywhere near God, not be conscious, not be in your right state of mind and not being aware. Be very careful because you're going through life thinking everything's cool. Samson thought everything was cool, right? Every time he played with it, he was able to get out of it. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen when we sin is nothing. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you when you sin is nothing. Because then you think, I got away with it. Okay, I was always afraid to do this thing. And, and oh, I'm going to try this. <laughs> I'm alive. Yo, I'm really alive. This is dope. And you think, I'm good. Hey, I got, I got drunk once. I didn't even have a hangover. Hey, we, you know, we had sex. She didn't get pregnant. I didn't get an STD. Oh, I did, I did nothing. Ha- oh, I sent this picture and, and he didn't send it to everybody else. Like nothing happened. Like, it's okay. And you mistake God's grace, mercy, and patience for his allowing you to do things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Please understand something. You thought God was cool with it. You thought wrong. God is patient with you. God is gracious. But at some point, God goes, yeah, now we're done. Second thing I noticed with Samson is that he was spiritually blind before his eyes were gouged out. He was spiritually blind before his eyes were gouged out. What does that mean? It means he couldn't see what was right in front of him. Not from a spiritual standpoint. Psalm chapter 36, verse 1 through 2. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. You just don't see it. And can I, man, I'm going to tell you just straight up because you'll feel this at some point. There are times where I'm looking at people and I'm like, you don't see how dumb you look? Like, you don't see it? Like, really, you don't see it? You don't see how, oh, what? It's like, no, seriously, like, I'm not even trying to be funny. You don't see it? Like, well, you know, I thought, because, you know, I just, and like, bro, like, I'm not trying to be funny here. Because the truth is, I really don't think you see it. I really don't think you see how that path you're choosing is going to lead you. I really don't think you're seeing how playing with God week in, week out is not going to go well for you. I really don't think you see how not reading your Bible and not praying and not having an actual personal relationship with God is going to affect your life. Because if you saw that, maybe you start doing it. But the fact that you don't see anything wrong with it is the reason you're going down that road in the first place. I don't think Samson saw anything wrong with how he was living his life. Because he's like, hey, listen, I did the thing and nothing happened to me. The Bible tells us even before that situation, he had touched a dead thing and God didn't strike him dead. When the Bible tells us, according to his vows that he made, he wasn't allowed to touch anything that was dead. Samson kept breaking rules all his life. And because there were no consequences, he saw nothing wrong with it. This is why we need to ask God to open our eyes so that we can see. And listen, again, we've all been there, right? I use this example often. You, sometimes you don't see how ugly somebody is until you don't like them no more, <laughs> right? You ever had like that mega crush and you were like all, all over them and then they break your heart and all of a sudden you're like, that third too super crooked anyways and all deep yellow, like at least match all your teeth. I don't know why your third tooth is 
so much yellower than it looked like it went for a tan by itself, right? Like you sit there and you start roasting them. Why? Because now you're seeing them for where they are, right? Before you saw them with them love glasses, they can do no wrong. Oh, he's so perfect. He's so amazing. Like, no, he's not. Not just physically. He's got an ugly personality. She's got a nasty attitude. They don't respect you. They don't treat you well. Again, don't you see that with your own friends? Don't you see people who are going, they're in literal abusive relationships and they can't see that? And you can tell them to you blue in the face. You can say, why are you in this? You should break up and you, you know it's better for you. Why da, da, da. And they don't see it. Hey, be careful. Because sometimes you can't tell what you don't see. And sometimes you're in situations, not necessarily because you want to, but because you don't have the eyes to know that you shouldn't. Number three, he was spiritually restrained before chains were ever on his arms. Spiritually, he was already locked up before chains were on his arms. What does it mean? It means you can be spiritually locked down and it'd be worse than when you're physically locked up. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Listen, you have the freedom to live life. God is not making you some mindless drone. It's not like when you give your life to Jesus, you lose all sense of what not, and you don't think for yourself, you don't act for yourself. God gives you freedom to live in this life and to have a good life. But what he says is, hey, don't use that freedom and abuse it by going and doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Instead, use that freedom to love other people, to help other people, to pick up other people. Don't lose that freedom to satisfy your own sinful lust. The Bible tells us everything is permissible, meaning, man, you can do whatever you want, theoretically, but not everything is beneficial, right? So just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can go up to a police officer, punch him in the mouth. I probably shouldn't, right? I can go to a Bulls game and run on the court and try to shoot a shot. Doesn't mean I should. And too many of us, we run with what we can do, and we forget about what we should do. Well, you know, it's like, I'm, only, I'm young, like, oh, I want to do that. Why, why can't I do that? Why can't I? I got a nice body. Why can't I send a picture of myself? No, I'm, I'm saying you can't. Obviously, you can you got the tech, you got the cameras, you got all that stuff, you got Photoshop. Oh, man, if I Photoshop myself, I might send that pic too. All right? Cut them edges out. Put some Vaseline on this lens, make sure you get all the angles right. I might take a pic too. Just because you can doesn't mean you should though, young people. And too many of us, we don't worry about what we should do. We're only worried about what we can or cannot do. Listen, that's our problem if we're honest. That's our problem with Christianity, right? Because you want to give your life to the Lord. You want all the benefits of Christianity. And here's when I know somebody got it wrong. When you ask this question, hey, as a Christian, can I do this? And you're asking the wrong question. Hey, as a Christian, is it okay for me to, to drink? As a Christian, is it okay for me to uh, be with someone who's not a Christian? As a Christian, is it okay? And what you're really asking is, what's the line? Because I don't want to cross it. When in truth, what you should be asking, hey, what should I do? All right, let me tell you the difference on that. If I'm driving down the highway and there's, you know, those little barriers, that's the line. How many know? I don't want to hit that to find out where it is. 
okay? So I'm not going to be like, well, I know I can't go past that, but where should I drive? I should drive in this lane so that I never have to get into a position where I'm hitting that guardrail. If you hit the guardrail, you're already too far gone. And so too many of us are looking for guardrails instead of looking for driving lanes. I want to be in my lane. I want to be where God's calling me because the lane is designated for me to go down. And I can go fast in the lane as long as I'm doing it in the way God calls me to do it. And so a lot of us say, well, it's no fun. Listen, it might look fun from far seeing somebody hit a guardrail. It ain't fun when you're in the car. We got to be careful because a lot of times we act like God is holding us down spiritually. Oh, Christian, it's no fun. I can't do this. I can't do that. No, man, you can do whatever you want. The beauty of Christianity is that we have the Holy Spirit now to help guide us on what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And a lot of us can avoid a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of shame if we just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and say, here's an opportunity, should I do this? Hey, my friend's asking me to do da-da-da, should I do that? And then you start to find out, and then you start to make wise choices, and wise choices compound on wise choices, and then you end up going down a road that you should be going and not doing things you regret ever doing. Are you hearing me tonight? Number four, if you're taking notes. Let me just recap real quick. He was spiritually asleep before he was ever physically awake. He was spiritually blind before his eyes were gouged out. He was spiritually restrained before chains were placed on his arms. And number four, he was a slave to sin before he was a slave to the Philistines. He was a slave to sin long before he was ever held captive by the Philistines. Listen to me. You are a slave to what you make your idol, what you make God. It becomes your owner. It becomes your master. God is saying you're no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to Christ. Here's what you need to understand. You're going to serve somebody. I'm my own man. Nope, you're stupid. You're not your own man. I make my own decision. You can't even make your heart beat, okay? Like, you, you, you can't even handle, like I said on Sunday, you can't even handle lactose. Like, you, know, you drink a little bit of milk and you're pooping all over the place. You are not in control of your own life, Sorry. <laughs> okay, you either serve one or the other. You either serve God or you serve his enemy. Those are the two options you have. There's no middle ground, okay? You serve one or you serve the other. And the problem with a lot of us is we're a slave to sin before we're ever a slave to habits, to people, to situations, to addictions. And what happens is too often we try to fix the other end of it. Instead of fixing the sin situation, we fix the, try to fix the physical situation. So what do I mean by that? Well, we put all this energy into trying to not sin as opposed to dealing with the heart of sin. And that's not the case. See, when you deal with the heart of sin, it's bringing it before God in a humble and loving way and saying, God, I can't control my sinful nature. I can't handle it, but you can help me. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give me the strength? That's why the Bible says that the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, these are all benefits and byproducts of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. And so what I'm saying is maybe instead of trying all this work on trying to not be bad. How about we put all that energy into building a relationship with a good God? Because when you build a relationship with a good God, then naturally good things start to come from it. But when all your energy is in trying to not be bad, you're going to really struggle in life. 
And I've seen a lot of people walk away from a relationship with God altogether when they realize it's too hard trying not to be bad. And I'm telling you, nobody asked you to try to not be bad. We tried to ask you to have a relationship with God. That's where the energy is. Because here's the deal. The more I love God, the less I love those things. The, the closer I am to God, the further I am from those things. So I don't have to worry about addiction. I have to worry about being addicted to God. I don't have to worry about pornography because I have to worry about having a love for God. I don't have to worry about anger and, and, and not having discipline and hurt and pain because all that energy is now being redirected into strengthening my relationship with God. Are you hearing me? I'm saying this because I've seen way too many young people get frustrated with God because they weren't able to do something that God never asked them to do anyway. It's a result of guilt, shame, and this weird theology that we've created and thinking, well, if I'm just good enough, maybe God will accept me. When what you really need to understand is good enough was never on the table. It's why God accepted you already. You were never able to be good enough. None of us were. That's why the Bible says that while we were still sinners, notice that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to be perfect because he understood you will never be perfect, but I can be perfect for you and I can bring you along and help you to get further and closer to me and further away from sin. Are you hearing me tonight? Listen, second Peter chapter two, verse 19 through 21. The Bible says they promise freedom but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get entangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command that they were given to live a holy life. Man, that's a hard scripture to take in. Because what is he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, whatever you live by, whatever controls your life, that's who you're a slave to. It could be money. It could be ambition. It could be sports. It could be music. It could be, you know, goals in your life. And I'm not saying some of those things aren't necessarily bad. I'm just saying when you are only about that, that's your God. That's who you worship. And again, notice what he says, because it's a hard part to swallow. He says, the worst thing that can happen is once you are a slave to sin, then you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You build a relationship with God. Now you know the truth and you go and choose sin again. And God's saying, it would have been better had you never chosen God in the first place. Right? Because now you don't even have ignorance. Now you're willingly doing it. Right? It's one thing if somebody makes a mistake because they didn't know. Oh, my bad. I didn't know. It's another thing when somebody makes a mistake knowing. Because now you're like, no, nah, forget you did that on purpose. Now you meant to do that. And you notice how we respond to people differently, right? If somebody did an accident, you're like, oh, it's like, again, if my daughter, if we're potty training her and she pees on the floor, there's going to be some grace because she's learning how to use the potty. If one of y'all walk into my living room and pee on my floor, you, that was a choice, homie. Like, that's a deliberate decision. And now you're going to get deliberate consequences, but you know the difference, right? You know the difference. You know what you should do and you shouldn't do. And now that you're choosing to do it, you, would, you shouldn't have walked into my house. <laughs> it would have been better had you never even got in here. And what God is saying is this. Hey, like it was one thing when you lived in ignorance and you didn't know any better. Now you know better and you still reject me. 
How do you expect God to react to that? How do you expect God to act when you are here Thursday night, you hear the truth, you know the truth, and then Friday morning you're doing all the same things you did before you came Thursday night again. And God's looking at you like, you want me to take you seriously, but you play me like a joke. Why would that work? And again, listen, there's grace, there's mercy, there's God giving you an opportunity, but there's a difference between making a mistake and a willful decision to do what you want to do because you want to do it. Amen? Kat, if you can help me out, please. You guys give it up for Kat real quick. Thank you. That gave me a chance to drink water. Guys, this is, this is a good lesson for you guys to understand. Because to me, right at the beginning, that verse I read in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, right? Let me go back to that. If you can put that back up, 16, verse 20 and 21. This seems like, like the end for Samson, right? Then she cried out, Samson. The Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought I would do as I do before. I'll shake myself free. And this to me has always been the scariest verse in the Bible. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Next verse. So the Philistines captured him, gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. The scariest thought to me in life is that I would wake up one day and not even realize that God's not with me anymore. That I had gone so far away from God that I've done so many stupid things that I didn't even notice it. And it kind of happened to me one time and most of you in this room, you know my story or you've heard parts of my testimony, but for the sake of those who don't, let me just quickly reiterate a little piece of it. I knew God. I knew all about these things. I had a call on my life. I had an anointing over my life. I had leadership over my life. I was very much like Samson. And I had gifting, man. I could talk even before I gave my life to the Lord. Because oftentimes, the gifting God gives you from birth is part of why he's called you to do those things. But I was using it for all the dumb reasons to try to make friends and to try to, you know, build up my own insecurities. And I had gotten caught up in a bunch of stuff and I was doing a lot of things I shouldn't be doing. And I ended up getting with my own kind of Delilah situation with a young lady who was actually in a relationship. And um, I'm like, whatever, it's not a big deal to me. Her boyfriend went to another school. So I just thought, well, she can be my girlfriend at this school. And that went on for about a year before he actually found out. And um, he decided to confront me at her sweet 16. And listen, I ain't going to lie, I would have been willing to square up with him if it was just me and him. But at that party, it was me, him, and the rest of the Chambelanes who wanted to get in on it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to, like, fight during the waltz and whatnot and, like, square up with her. I didn't go to the practice. I don't know how, what, what moves they had. So I decided to get in my car and, and go away. And then I get a call from my friend saying, hey, calm down, Joey. Don't get upset. Like, what are you talking about? Apparently, him and all the Chambelanes got in their car. And they decided to follow me. And you got to understand, this is like a year's worth of pent up stuff. Very little that had to do even with them. More so my own insecurities, my own pain, my own loss, my own feeling like I was never going to be good enough for anybody. And all these things And let's be honest, most of us go through as teenagers. And this was kind of like the last straw. 
And so I was like, you want to follow me? Bet. Follow me. Right? Follow me to your death. And I went to the house, and I got with my, my friends from the neighborhood, and we got a gun, and we said, let's go back, and let's meet this guy. And so I'm on this drive back, and I didn't know it at the time, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it was a very simple thing. What are you doing? Look at you. I mean, my mom raised me in church. I knew the word of God. I knew the Bible. I had all the answers in Sunday school. I knew what I should and shouldn't be doing. And in that moment, I didn't have a mirror, but it felt like I was looking in the mirror and I was, I was thinking to myself, well, who, who are you? And who do you want to be? And I thought, I don't want to be this. She's not worth it. This ain't worth it. Nobody's worth giving up on me. And so I told my friends, guys, I don't want to go anymore. No, come on, we got it. I was like, dude, it's not worth it. And I always joke, I'd like to tell you that I was like, guys, take me to church. I need to talk to the Lord. But instead, I was like, take me to this other girl's house. She's hotter. So I went to another girl's house. But the interesting thing is, in pursuit of that other girl, that other girl went to my mom's church. Not because she wanted to, but her mom made her go too. So we called her church girl. So the other girl went to my mom's church. So guess who started showing up to church a little bit more often? Your boy. Because I'm like, hmm, I'm seeking that one. And so we would hang out a little bit. i try to show up to some of the things. We had this like little youth thing. It wasn't really anything, you know, well put together, but it was a little youth thing. And I didn't want to go by myself, so I invited my friend. And I invited my boy, David Lampson, and David Lampson came with me, and, you know, we're hanging out. And really, he just came with me, so I wouldn't be by myself. You're probably feeling that today. Somebody's like, yeah, I don't want to come here either, but my friend's here, so that's the only reason I'm sticking around. And I remember David leaned over to me at the end. He goes, hey, we, we do kind of something like this at my church. You should check it out. And I'm like, man, I don't go to other people's churches. That's weird. Uh, but I'm like, he came to my thing. All right, man, I'll, I'll go. And that was the first time I walked into Excel. And in that first service, God opened my eyes so that I could see. Listen, he was bound. He didn't realize the Lord had left him. His eyes were gouged out. He was taken to bondage. He was put between two pillars, chained up, and being mocked as he was getting ready to be executed in front of thousands of Philistines. But then verse 22, listen to what it says. Judges 16, verse 22. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Oh, I like that. I like that, man. Oh, but I messed up and I did this. and I, Hey, hey, hey. Before long, your hair is going to grow back. Yeah, you made mistakes and you did this and you did that. But before long, your hair is going to grow back. That thing that you thought cut you off from God, that thing you think you did that somehow disqualified you from ever being able to stand in the presence of God, it's coming back. It's coming back. What does that mean? That means Samson was getting ready to have a second chance. And in that moment, as Samson is standing between these two pillars with his hands chained to either side, he begins to cry out to the Lord. He says, God, man, give me one more chance to do what you call me to do. Give me one more chance to be who you call me to be. Give me one more chance to live in a way according to the purposes and the plans that you have for my life. And the Bible says that in that moment, Samson's strength came back to him. And he knocked down both pillars and tore that entire building down on everybody in it. 
and he wiped out God's enemy in one hit. Because before long, his strength came back. His hair came back. His purpose came back. His gifting came back. His anointing came back. His talent came back. Man, I might have messed up. I might have been going down some wrong roads. I might have had my head on some weird situations. But guess what? When I walked into Excel, my hair started growing back. When I walked into Excel and I started worshiping, my hair started growing back. When I got plugged into small groups, my hair started growing back. When I got plugged into small groups, when I started helping out in ministries, when I started volunteering, when I started bringing my friends to church, my hair started growing back. When I became a volunteer at Excel, my hair started growing back. When I became a leader, my hair was getting kind of long now. Four or five years later, I become a youth pastor. It's up to here, baby. And in less than a month, I'm a lead pastor? Yeah, I'm tripping on my hair right now. What am I saying? Saying, you're never too far gone for God. Well, there's breath in your lungs. There's hope in your heart. And there's an opportunity for God to say, I want to restore you and I want to redeem you. So I'm going to ask you to stand tonight as we get ready to close. Do me a favor real quick. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I wonder if you're like me back then. You made some wrong turns. You made some wrong decisions. You did some things that you really regret and that you're starting to look in the mirror and wonder who are you. Or maybe you're not like me. Like you never knew God. But you're still asking that same question. And you're starting to decide who you want to be. Tonight, I want to pray that God would open your eyes so that you can see. I want to pray that God would wake you up and keep you awoke. I want to pray that God would restore your strength and give you back purpose and calling. I want to pray that God would remove shame, guilt, and replace it with hope in the future. But here's the deal. Samson had to humble himself and ask for it. Samson still had a responsibility. And tonight you have to humble yourself and be willing to ask the Lord to restore the joy of your salvation, to bring you back. And in a moment, I want to pray for you if, you've, if you're a believer and if you've gone down that road. But before I do, I just want to make sure if you're here and you've never made that choice, you've never given your life to the Lord, and yet, you know, I can't keep going the way I'm going. I don't want to keep going the way I'm going. I want a relationship with God. I want to know him the way he knows me. I want to experience the joy of the Lord as I've never have. Then before we do anything else, I'm going to ask you, young person, even if it's just one, I'll, I'll hold all this up for you. But if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to know that I know that I know that I have a real relationship with God. Just lift up your hand and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do me a favor. Would you meet me up here? I'm going to stand right here in the middle. Would you meet me up here real quick, please? If you lifted up your hand. Don't worry. There's a lot behind you. Over here, right here. Right here. Oh, you want to preach? You can preach too. we get you there. You can look up at me. It's, I'm not that ugly. Hey, there's no greater choice than this, okay? 
absolutely no greater choice than this. But I do need you to understand that it's the beginning of a choice. Okay? It's the beginning of a relationship. The rest of it is building and growing in that relationship. Okay? First dates are nice, but they're just first dates. (laughs) I want a second date. That's how I know the first date went good. (laughs) And so this is your first date with God. Beautiful. But I need you to know God wants a second date. If I can be honest, God wants to marry you. (laughs) And that's what the scriptures say. When we have a relationship with Christ, we become the bride of Christ. He loves us and he died for us to have this relationship. And so what does that mean? That means in a moment we're going to pray a prayer. Nothing magical about the prayer. It's not like an incantation or an abracadabra. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, you're saved. And you, some of us think, well, that sounds really easy. Yeah, praise God. It's really easy. It's not about you. It's about what he did and about accepting that. And the rest of your life is learning how to love God the way he loves you. And that's the fun part, all right? So I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to ask the rest of us, hey, guys, would you pray with us so it's not super awkward for any of them? And we're going to pray this prayer. And again, if you believe in your heart, the Bible says it's sealed, okay? So just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I confess tonight that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again three days later so that you and I can have a relationship. So I ask you, God, forgive me of all my sin, of all the bad things I've done, and give me a fresh start here today that I am new in you, now and forever. Help me, Lord, to love you the way you love me. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, guys, would you give it up real quick? Here's, here's what I'd like for you to do real quick. I'm going to have Dada and Sal. They're going to meet you over at that door. Can you guys meet them real quick? They're just going to tell you what this all means and answer any questions that you might have because sometimes we do this and we're like, I don't know what all that meant. This way you can ask some of that, and then I'll follow up with you guys after service. Is that okay? So they're just going to meet you. If you can meet them right back there, they're waving at you. Um, they're going to walk you through it because I want to talk to everybody else real quick about something. Hey, listen. I mentioned uh, next month is, is or the end of April is my last time as the youth pastor, but I don't stop being your pastor. And Excel doesn't stop being my responsibility. It's just one of many now. But man, there will be nothing greater in my heart than to see that happen every week. To see all of your friends have that moment and accept Jesus. But you can only do that when you're willing to be everything God called you to be. So I'm just going to pray for all of us because I mean, I just believe all of us need this. All of us need God's grace and strength and mercy to do what he called us to do. And so just close your eyes with me and just agree with me in prayer. Jesus, I just thank you so much, Lord. Father God, every one of us in this room have the capability like Samson to drift, to allow ourselves to do things that our sinful nature wants that you don't. Father God, even just with our age and who we are, Lord, oftentimes we allow our sinful nature to pull us away. And Father, I just pray none of us would wake up one day and not realize that you're not there anymore, God. So Father, I pray that the fear of the Lord would be our strength in this moment, God. 
that it would be the beginning of wisdom in our lives. Not that we're afraid of you, but that we don't want to lose you, God. We don't want to disrespect you. We don't want to allow our lives to drift away from you. We want to be purposeful, God, and seeking and following you. So Lord, I pray, would you wake us up, God? Would you spiritually awaken something in this room, God? A passion, a desire, a yearning for your presence, a desire to read your scripture, a desire to worship you in truth, a desire to give our lives over to you, oh God. Would you open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see truth from lies, so that we will be able to tell what's right and what's wrong? Would you bring us into your purpose and your plan for our lives so that our hair will continue to grow, God? So that we will be everything you called us to be. And so that we will accomplish the purpose that you have us here for. Father, we're grateful for your word. And we're grateful even now for this wake-up call. But Father God, if we fall back asleep, what good is it? So Father, help us not just to be woken, but to get up and move. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said? Amen. Come on, would you give it up for God tonight? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to encourage you. Part of doing this, part of this journey, part of what helped me stay on track was getting a part of small groups. So I want to encourage you, be back here tomorrow. Get plugged into small groups. Make sure that you do what you got to do to be there. And, and listen, man, if you have not signed up for Breakaway, just do that part. Finances, we'll figure it out. But we want to get that loaded. We want to make sure everybody's there. Amen? Love you guys. See you tomorrow.